Good morning, podcast, and welcome to a new episode. In this confinement time, I got you a special guest. His name is Taylor Jackson. Taylor is a wedding photographer based out of Toronto. He has a ton of content on YouTube, on Instagram, on Patreon, everywhere, trying to help people become better wedding photographers. And he is running a big business himself. And that's why it's going to be very interesting to talk about the state of wedding photography right now. And also in general, as a photographer, what do you do that everything kind of stopped around us? Everything is like paused in a way because of the, the virus situation what can you do and how can you progress in the future so with no further ado let's welcome taylor to the podcast enjoy guys we did it welcome to the podcast taylor <laughs> thank you this so is, much for having me we we tried so hard to get that guys. clap right yeah <laughs> i want to welcome taylor to the podcast today i'm super excited to have taylor because he's been creating a ton of really cool stuff he's i feel like he has more project than a man can take right now and <laughs> that's why i want to dig into it it's amazing taylor yeah. tell us a little bit what's the current situation in your house are you stuck at home are you bored what's happening with the virus what's happening with the business yeah so it's been it's definitely been so i moving back i'm gonna say i started my business in maybe 2006 2005 oh, so wow. i kind of went through a recession um then but i was building my business in it so it was by it was nothing like it is today like this is uh, such a different situation um moving into kind of this year and basically as specifically i'm a wedding photographer primarily and it's kind of been this like booming economy for a very long time and everyone's felt it. Like everybody has good jobs. Everybody's making good money. If you're an entrepreneur, yeah. it's like the greatest time in the world or at least, like two months ago, it was the greatest time up until then to be an entrepreneur. And like everything was so good. And now all of a sudden everything across all levels has just kind of started to crash out. And as a wedding shooter, I'm specifically feeling it because one, all events are canceled. Um, yeah. I live in Canada and I, I don't know, uh, I feel like we kind of all collectively decided, it was basically when the NBA was like, we're done. I feel like that was the, the first oh, time wow, yeah. everyone else I was just like, that. we're done, we're done, we're done. Um, after that, it was, we were actually traveling and we, so we woke up in the, I guess like super early morning, we were in Sweden to the news that basically the US border was closed for, for tourists to come into the country. Whoa. And at that point, we're in Sweden, we're like, I feel like if the US is doing that, Canada's gonna do that pretty quickly. So we were only in Sweden for a whole, I think it was like 20 hours or something. We flew in, we were gonna do this amazing workshop at the Ice Hotel up north in, in Sweden with the Way Up North crew. Um, and within 20 hours of being in Sweden, we went out, we did like a little walk, we saw some stuff. And then the next morning we got a flight back home and we came back home um, less than a day. Oh, wow. Later so you had to cancel? To safe. Yeah. So we were, we were just attending. It was kind of, it wasn't necessarily, it was a workshop that was put on. Um, there was models and whatnot, but it wasn't necessarily like a thing that I, I was speaking at or anything like that. It was kind okay. of, we all just met up at a spot and we were just going to all create cool stuff. So nice. as um, I think everyone else was based in either Stockholm or Copenhagen or um, somewhere kind mm -hmm. of um, somewhat in, in the region. Uh, and then we were the ones coming in from Canada. So we felt that it was safe to just head back home because well, like being in Stockholm, you can get a flight out, but when we're up North, we're now like a double connection away from getting home and if stuff oh, would have wow. really gotten bad because that was when the media, like everything was just panic and hysteria and we have no idea what's going to happen. And yeah, every day um, you see a new country strutting borders. You're like, Oh my God. 
Yeah. So it was nuts. We came home um, and essentially we just both assumed that we, we had the virus. So we just hung out and just self-quarantined for 14 days. Um, I have no problems necessarily with it because I feel like my entire life is kind of self-quarantined that I go out in short bursts and within like a month we'll make 150 videos and then I'll spend the next like three, four months editing and releasing them all. So, so you I are feel like working in season. batches. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, which, okay. That's which so is, interesting. Which is good and bad because it's, it's, I guess it's good because you have a huge backlog of content. So if something like yeah. this that is completely unimaginable, um, did happen, then you have content, but it's a little bit harder to kind of stay up to date with, um, like basically everything, like if something new comes out, I, I don't really have that slotted in. So I have to kind of modify my approach whenever that happens. But I don't know. It's, it's there's no rules. It's just kind of, you, you do stuff. And this year I, I batch stuff. Maybe next year I, I go weekly and maybe the year after that I'll actually hire somebody cause I should have hired somebody to help editing like Oh, because you're ago. editing everything yourself right now. Yeah, I do everything myself. Wow. I have, um, I have a video guy. Uh, I have a few video people that I work with. And from time to time, they'll do projects. Um, yeah. Tim, right now, we're working on a new show. Um, and right now, Tim's kind of the, the main dude kind of editing all of that. So he shoots and edits, which is nice. So that's a little offset. Oh, that's the best. Um, yeah. And it's, it's also fun because I can focus more on kind of the creative ideas that go into the, into the videos rather than knowing that when I'm shooting, if we overshoot this, that like I'm mentally kind of stressing out, like how do we make this faster so I don't have to spend like 25 hours editing this in post-production. So, yeah. Do you have yeah. the, um, do you have that same feeling when you're shooting and producing and editing that you have too many hats to do one really well? Where like, even yeah. if just being the host, you know, like when I do the challenges, I have that where I'm the host, but at the same time, I'm, I'm like trying to be a challenger. So I can't yeah. think about the shots until I'm on the spot and mm -hmm. uh, it's hard balance. It, it is really hard. And I feel like, uh, I'm, I, I don't think I got it when I watched movies and it's like, Oh cool. Like, uh, whatever George Clooney is in this film and he's also the director of it. <laughs> and I never realized like how that dynamic is. And one, it's sometimes easier. Uh, I found it easier. We do a, a local food show and yeah. I found it easier to be one of the hosts and also be kind of acting director because okay. I know when to push things along when I'm, when I'm working with people that aren't normally in front of a camera Um, yes. I know when it's time to move on and I know that I can kind of naturally segue that pretty easily. Um, but when we're out and we have no idea what we're doing, um, it becomes like a lot more challenging, I guess, overall. How do you, um, how do you actually get someone to feel better in front of the camera? I think that's a good question, whether it's photography or video. Uh, my entire life is making people that are not comfortable in front of a camera feel comfortable. So it's, um, I think for me, it kind of comes down to movement and for photography specifically, if I have a couple that they're like, oh, we're super awkward. We've, we don't usually do this. This is our first time. Yeah. Uh, usually I just literally take them for a walk around and okay. I try to keep it as ener energetic, I guess, as possible um, within reason. I don't want it to be like crazy, like them jumping off of everything because it's usually yeah. more of a romantic style theme, but we really just go for a walk and we just kind of I don't know, get comfortable that way. And I, can, I tell them usually I'll step in if they're doing something that I can adjust. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I've discovered, I guess this also comes down to my kind of introverted personality as well, that if I over direct in the beginning, they're going to look to me for direction on every single photo. And 
they're not going to know what to do. And they're going to be like, well, where do I put my hand now? And, and I don't want to be that guy. Cause I, I can't like, it takes too much mental process and it burns me out. Um, and I feel like I do my worst work whenever I'm in control of every element. Um, if oh. I can kind of break them and get them to just be somewhat normal, I know they're never going to be normal. Cause it's usually mm-hmm. like the two of us and me with a camera going out for a walk. So <laughs> you can get to like 80% normal. Um, I'll take a 400 millimeter and go hide. In yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that gets even weirder. Cause I need to get the police involved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, just keep moving, I think. And I don't, I, I bring, usually I bring only an 85 millimeter with me. Um, and maybe oh. like a side, like a little, um, I use a peak design sling, like the little five liter. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll bring a wide angle lens in case like I absolutely need to, but most of the time I'm on one prime and I don't change gear. I don't talk about gear. I just kind of talk about whatever's going on. If, if they're one of my wedding couples, we'll just talk about wedding things. If they're a portrait couple or family couple, like I, like whatever's going on in their lives, we just talk about that. And okay. I try to disconnect from the technical as much as I possibly can. Um, and I found that that helps people become a little bit more comfortable if they're not thinking about too much, um, I guess, outside of the fact that like we're out here taking photos and it's already a little bit weird. But yeah. yeah. And then for video, it's kind of, usually you can get people to be somewhat normal after a couple of minutes that at some point they'll forget the camera. Again, same deal, like, try not to talk too much about the technical. If you're kind of the director and mm-hmm. you're like also lighting the scene and you're also on camera, uh, it starts to become like a little bit weird. But if well, other people are doing stuff, if they're setting up the lighting, if like Tim or whoever's running camera with me um, is like doing his own thing and I don't have to manage that and I can actually just talk to the person by the time we actually start rolling, usually they're at least in a state where if they just like tunnel vision on me and just ignore everything that's happening, um, that they're a little more relaxed and yeah, but it's uh, it's hard to get people to be just themselves, I guess. Yeah, it's it's hard, and um, I think you mentioned a good point with video is that people get tired of faking it at one point, like, mm. or faking or being like uncomfortable. They're like, okay, okay, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. But after a while, they will default back into themselves, unless they're mm. very good actors. But um, yeah. that's, that's a good point for for photography. Why only eighty five millimeter? Uh, Manny Ortiz calls it the introverts lens and I 100% agree. And it's also just the lens that I got the most comfortable on. I know on a full frame camera, I know where that 85 frame is. I like the really shallow depth of field. I shoot everything pretty much wide open, um, unless I have a reason to stop down. But for the most part, I'm shooting at one four all of the time. Um, even with couples, I just make sure their eyes are kind of on the same focus Mm -hmm. plane. Um, and yeah, I like, I just like the look of it. I like the way it compresses everything and, as uh, again, like going back to kind of like being a wedding shooter, when I walk into a room, if I walk into like a getting ready room or something like that, I never have control over that room. And there's just so much stuff all over. Yeah. And if I can just turn my camera vertical and just kind of like focus on the things that I want and let everything else just blur into nice out of focus background, um, that's the way that I remove elements or in like if there's like first dance or whatever, and people are all around or during the ceremony, if I'm mm-hmm. taking photos at 1.4 or 2.8 if I'm on a 70 to 200, the people in the background are always a little bit softer. So if somebody's looking yeah. out of the frame, they're not going to ruin the photo. Or if somebody's looking at their yeah. phone, they're, they're soft. So they, they're not a direct point. So that's why I like those lenses. Um, photojournalistically, I don't know if they really convey the true feeling of what's happening. I feel like if you're right up close, like kind of how you shoot with the 35 or um, yeah. when you, when you're in the actual scene, I feel like, 
it has a better overall feeling, but the 85 and longer lenses is kind of my workaround to, I guess, my, my inabilities of a photographer to get that close, um, whether it's emotionally because I just feel weird being that close to somebody or um, <laughs> yeah. technically because if it's a ceremony, I just can't get that close. So Yeah, that's um, true. The, yeah. You can't always be close. Mm -hmm. have, you tried, have you tried at 16 a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I've tried. Uh, I, well, I guess like, so my, I guess I'm like, I, I would say that Manny is kind of the same way as well, that um, we're both very quiet, shy people. And yeah. when we shoot videos, I feel like at least the way that I've done it is um, one, I love like crazy wide angle lenses um, when I'm filming myself, but also just to like be alone in a room also seems to work out really well. So oh. if, I, if I know that I'm like alone and that I have final edit on what I'm shooting, usually I'm okay. Um, so that's kind of when I usually use wide angle lenses is when I know that it's Got usually it. just myself or, um, maybe somebody that I'm doing portraits of that I am better friends with, I guess. Um, yeah. so the more, if, if, if we, if we meet up and I'm taking photos of you with like a 24, you know, that, that we're, that we're good friends. <laughs> <laughs> if I see you arrive with a 300 millimeter, <laughs> then I'm, yeah, like, oh, then I'm wow. nervous. <laughs> and I also packed way too much because that's a very heavy lens. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, it's 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 interesting to hear that because um, I don't think that's something we talk a lot about. Is also like how are you comfortable with shooting at different focal lengths? Um, mm. People are like, "What's the best lens?" But it's more like, "What is a good lens that's going to fit your personality and that will allow you to to have some like creative freedom when you shoot and not feel like." you're going to die because you're going to take a photo of someone at 16 millimeter close up, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you get into someone's face with a 16, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is a little bit intrusive, but if you're having fun, if, if you can make it fun, you, you get fun shots, but I don't think everyone's able to, to get there. It's definitely oh. one of the, like, uh, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I do feel, I feel like a 16 is so extreme that it becomes funny that you have like that super closeness that actually True. brings something back to the scene. I feel like maybe like 35 or something would be like my non-comfortable spot. Yeah. Um, cause if I'm just like forced to just like get over it and just get that close, like, I don't know, you got, you, you got to do it. So, um, yeah. yeah. So maybe there's, maybe there's, uh, some hope in going super wide if you are terrified <laughs> of doing it. And then maybe at some point that, lesson and that feeling that you learn there will allow you to be a better photographer at 35 or does that mean um, we're gonna do a super wide challenge <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> once we're allowed to leave our homes again <laughs> yeah whenever uh let's talk about that a little bit how how do you well first of all like on the wedding side did everything like mm. stop what what's up with that season yeah We, so we don't know everyone's guess is as good as everyone else's guess the venues are pushing at least around here they're pushing a month and a bit now. So if mm -hmm. you're getting married um, a month from now, you're now getting bumped to fall or summer, when, basically whenever they have dates. Um, okay. Business-wise, it's like unfortunate, one, because like everyone has to uproot their plans that they've spent the past year planning this wedding and now they have to yeah. do it another time and it completely changes everything. If you, for instance, like some of my spring weddings to go from an April wedding to go to an October wedding, you're now planning an entirely different wedding, even if it's yeah. not the same venue. Um, so that sucks from a business standpoint for me. Um, for the most part, we're just kind of like, we're all kind of in this together. So we're doing the best we can to just make it work for our couples, which means we're transferring deposits to different dates, which also kind of has the 
the negative effect of the fact that a lot of my weddings from 2020 are going to move to 2021. So mm-hmm. I'm really only making one single income in weddings for two years now. Um, okay. If all of those weddings move from like July 4th of this year to July 3rd of next year, like Saturday to Saturday, um, they've already paid me a deposit and then I don't get to book another wedding for that weekend um, next year. So it's oh, like wow. kind of essentially yeah. half to income for two years. And that's assuming that I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's, better. that's true. Yeah, it's not so. even like you're shifting it. It's more like, no, actually they, they want to get the same spot, but on the yeah. same date next year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's going to feel it for a bit. The wedding industry is just like an absolute mess right now. Um, and I feel People like almost panic because everyone's trying to organize, reorganize or like get a grip on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had some weddings that booked, um, that essentially, um, well, I guess they were getting married this coming weekend and they moved to like the middle of May. And now it looks like yeah. they've already replanned that wedding and now they're going to have to replan that wedding again. Cause I don't know if they're going to be able to like, if the restrictions are going to be lifted. And, um, it's another thing for us being kind of, well, I'm near Toronto. So I'm like two hours from the border yeah. that a lot of people have family in like Buffalo or like across the border somewhere. And if the border restriction doesn't lift, like half of weddings like can't physically come oh, wow. to the to the actual wedding either oh there is that too um, yeah yeah so there's a lot of crazy variables and i don't know we're just kind of all doing it a day at a time and you stress out for a little bit and then you wake up and you're you're fresh again and then as the day progresses you get more depressed and then you wake up again and <laughs> day, man. <laughs> <laughs> i see i see what you mean i was gonna I say well i'm happy to keep me happy <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i'm happy i'm not in the wedding industry anymore uh, but um, I'm more in the travel industry, which is also <laughs> completely affected, yeah. stopped. Yeah, everything stopped. So it's not, I mean, I don't think there's a good industry except uh, gloves manufacturer and mask manufacturers yeah. or medication. Yeah, looking back a month, you should have got into the toilet paper, uh, buy up a factory, start manufacturing <laughs> that toilet paper. and Made by Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you, you make your fortune? Well, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you do um, something every day, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> and it. And so that's do it. millions of people. Yeah. Well, I'm um, there every day for them. Yeah. How's, um, so like you're talking a little bit about travel. How, how has your life kind of changed throughout this? I, don't, I haven't heard you speak too much about it yet. I had to cancel one travel plan because okay. it's, it's funny enough. So we had our channel, not, I mean, not too long ago. And so I kind of like paused a little bit to travels mm-hmm. and I still had a few, but I, w- I wanted to go to a holy festival in India and, and yeah. really g- get that. But as it was progressing and I didn't buy my ticket for some reason, I kept like procrastinating on the b- tickets and I'm like, you know what? I want to see how it evolves that China thing. Uh, because at the time in January, it was just China. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, it's actually spreading out. So February, I was in France and there was, and there was a first case in the Alps. I was like, ooh, that doesn't sound too good. I don't want to maybe be in a crowd of millions of people during yeah. a virus outbreak. Yeah, and, that'd uh, be hard. It wasn't just for me. It was also for my family, you know, if you bring it mm-hmm. back or whatever. So I was like, okay, fine, let's, let's pause that. I didn't go to India in the end. A friend of mine went and they closed the border two days after he got in and wow. managed to catch one of the last flight out of uh, back to France. I mean, it was a huge mess. Like It oh, was like mission so impossible stressful. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, super stressful for... And I was like, it's okay. There will be... There will always be other opportunities in life. 
right? As long as you're not dead, you there's there is a chance for something else. So yeah. if it's not now, it's later, you know. And yeah. so that was my travel plan. But it's good because in instead, and I decided that I'm gonna focus on whole months of March of updating the course and making the French version. Yay! What's up, yeah. French people? <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out to my. Uh, French friends and uh, it's gonna it worked out I'm just like inside and editing all day right now so yeah. that's how it works so you're inside ed- editing all day too no yeah pretty much I I don't really know what I do on a day-to-day basis anymore um, I used to have some sort of schedule and now it's uh, I guess like I'm in the process of releasing a show that I'm doing with Nikon so I'm just kind yeah. of going at that every week and that's three episodes a week so that's a lot of a lot of content to get out there and working with a larger brand, there's approvals and all kinds of different things that I usually don't have to deal with as just like a, a solo creative yeah. YouTube human being. Um, so that's been an, uh, an interesting learning experience to, to get back into that. Cause it's been a long time since I've worked with a big mm-hmm. company, but yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of editing coming up and repurposing kind of old content to make it valuable and helpful to a few people. Um, for most of my videos, I, I'm, I would say more in the wedding space kind of on, on YouTube for wedding photography. And if I can come up with a video that like helps even like five people of all of the people that watch it, if it really actually helps five people, um, yeah. I'm pretty happy to spend the time creating that. Um, so yeah, it's just like kind of creating a bunch of stuff. And then also I feel like small short films. Um, we filmed two of them last year and then I filmed one kind of over the past couple of days here. And short films just like, so much post-production goes into them if you shoot them incorrectly like we do. Um, So now is kind of the time to just like get all that done too. So, Um, but it's hard because it's like you're creating that art for art. And then I feel like a lot of my other work is always kind of sales-based that when I create a video, it's kind of for for some sort of business reason. Um, And then for that, it keeps getting kind of left behind because it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's also, there's no urgency to it. It's like when it comes out, it comes out, so. Um, yeah, yeah, we were talking about it with uh, with the last guest, Bryn North, and he was actually saying he also struggles a little bit with that balance as a filmmaker between, am I going to do that project for myself? Am I, or do I want to take on that new project for a company, knowing that that company is going to pay the project for myself yeah. is not only going to not pay, but it's going to be a huge cost because he yeah. needs someone to shoot with him, etc. So um, we're talking. I think it's a, definitely a balance that everyone struggles with. And whether you're like doing it as amateur or not, because when you're just amateur, you're like, I, I find that part of your work is, I love doing that, but I don't have time. I have other obligations, you know? So it's like yeah. your work versus all work is with business or like sales or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so good balance. What On the Nikon uh, series, can you tell us a little bit more about what it's, what it's like because I've seen a few previews and it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's um, basically they they originally approached me to do some stuff in kind of the wedding space and I was like, how about we do this travel show? And then we didn't know we were going to be releasing it over a global pandemic, um, which is a bit of a weird time for a travel show to launch. Um, but yeah, so it's just like they kind of let us do whatever we wanted, which was really cool that there was... Wow. Um, Originally, there was, I guess, we had to kind of submit the basic ideas. And then after mm-hmm. that, it was kind of like, yeah, you guys take this wherever you want, knowing that if like that they can kind of veto anything. So if we do something that's like way off the deep end, that they just are like, we can't like 
associate with that. Um, yeah. But we kept it pretty clean and we just, I don't know, we went out and took photos and um, I felt that it was a good opportunity to make things that were a little bit more evergreen. So this series technically is all shot on the Nikon Z series. Um, and I wanted to take kind of each of the episodes that we would do some technical stuff, but I knew, I know technical like two years from now, it's not going to be relevant, yeah. but an episode about burnout might still be relevant or creative block or overcoming creative yeah. block, whatever it might be. Um, so we try to go for the bigger topics in that. Um, and it seems to be, seems to be helpful to people so far. So hopefully, uh, Hopefully well, the, world enjoys, the but, production yeah. level is is awesome. That's for sure. Thanks. I mean, from what I've seen, it it looked absolutely dope. How do you like the Nikon Z6 and Z7? Like, how's it been? I, I so for travel and commercial. Hashtag not biased. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> that's true. Well, so like the cool, I guess the cool thing uh, with the, I guess the deal that we have is that I am, I can basically like I'm exclusive-ish to Nikon so I can still review other things and put other things on YouTube because I felt that that was important. Like if I only ever release things about like Nikon cameras, yeah. you like become, it just appears as though you're a salesperson. Yeah. Um, but I've tried to keep it as honest as I can and I talk about the positives and negatives. So for the Z series, uh, I really like it for travel and commercial. But what I struggle um, with, I guess, just it might just be my muscle memory and the fact that I've been doing weddings for so long is that I like the optical viewfinder of a digital SLR on a wedding day. I find that I'm just faster and it's more responsive for me. Um, so for weddings this year, provided oh. a wedding season happens, um, I'm on the Nikon D780. Uh, but I've been on Nikon products since like 2005. Uh, so yeah, I'm using that and then a D850 as my backup and. I love those two cameras and I specifically love, um, so like all the new Z series stuff is awesome, but my favorite lenses that have ever existed for any camera system is the 85 1.4 G, um, which is like mm -hmm. Nikon's, I guess they're professional prime. Um, yeah. they're 85. I love that lens. I love the 35 1.4 G and I love the 24 1.4 G. Um, so I've essentially stuck with an Nikon system simply because of those lenses and, Got it. um, for, for weddings and for portraits, I find them to create like it, it's a very like the character. There's a lot of character to the to the lenses, and I like the images that they create. And they're also very forgiving um, on people's skin tones and like mm -hmm. they just make good flattering images in every single lighting condition. Whether we're in like mixed light or it's like nice outside or it's backlit or whatever it is, um, those lenses basically speed my post production up. So I don't really have to do a whole lot ever Got as soon it. as I get home. So, um, I've liked that and people just seem to like themselves in the images. And, um, I know we're not supposed to be like, <laughs> Oh, the gear does it all, but yeah, the, the gear does a bit. Um, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, so in I like wedding, that. it, it does help. That's where the limit, like you can take great shots, but there is a point, especially if you do weddings, you, you need to have fast glass and, and yeah, high yeah. quality. And yeah. in terms of, I, I used to shoot on the D750. Absolutely yep. love that camera. Um, if it if it wasn't that terrible at video, I would have probably kept it for a few <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more years. Um, but I had to switch because of that, and I was yep. doing the the videos and the travel videos and all that. So I switched. But I always loved my my Nikon gear. I felt that at the time it was already like the sensors were already better than Canon. Yeah. When the D750 came out, I was like, oh, that's so much better in low light. And I understand why people might want to stay with Canon, but I was like, oh. I can choose whatever. I'm just going to go with Nikon. That's, that's actually better. And yeah. uh, if they had been as fast as Sony, I would have probably 
<laughs> stayed with Nikon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, that was like I, I feel like even now, if you're if you're just into photography, obviously we're in a different case because we create a lot of uh, video yeah. content as well. But like even looking back to something like the Nikon D750, if I was a photographer and I was getting into photography today, I wouldn't care about like the 850 and like the 780 and like everything Completely, that's new that's coming yeah. out. Like you can buy a, a D. 750 for like what like $800 like $750 maybe and it's so now. good and it's such it's like I like if I was only doing photo I, I could still shoot on that camera every day and it would be no problem oh so, yeah 100% um, I mean and the yeah. ISO is great the, the the I mean the dynamic range is amazing for mm-hmm. the camera and yeah that's what I tell people sometimes I'm like, just get a second-hand camera look into a D750 or something like that it's gonna be way mm-hmm. cheaper you can find cheaper lenses also because um, so that that's the good part. But how how much of uh, the how much creative planning did you have going into that series? I'm kind of curious because that's a big one. Like that's yeah, a big show. A, how how much was everything planned out? Some of it was. Some of the episodes were. Some of the episodes that came together the best were not planned at all. Um, mm. The last episode that we filmed was in Havana, Cuba, and we had oh. spent so much time planning everything else that we really only had flights in a hotel in Havana. And we just arrived and we're like, all right, let's do a thing and let's figure it out. Uh, and that ended up being kind of one of the, the I think the best feeling episodes because I think really? we planned less nice. and we just went into it. Um, that was also a place that I'd never been before. Um, whereas a lot of the other locations I've been to. So I was able to plan a little bit more. Um, it was nice to be able to reach out to other photographers and other locals and ask them for interviews and things like that, which is yeah. not something that I would ever usually do. Um, I would maybe reach out to other photographers that are locals, but I would rarely reach out to um, just like a tour provider and be like, Hey, can we sit down and, and tell me about Iceland and tell me about how social media kind of yeah. redefined the entire face of, um, of the country when after the 2008 recession. Um, and it was really cool to get perspectives and to have a reason to reach out to people. Um, I think that's like one of the the biggest things that I learned when we did we did a local documentary uh, five or six years ago now, and it was essentially that project. Uh, maybe this is a, a helpful tip for anyone out there. Uh, if rather than going to film school or rather than going to school for what you want to do, just like force yourself to go out and create a great project. And my mm-hmm. film school was basically doing this documentary. I had to figure out how to light bad situations. I had to figure out how to get audio when you're in like a cavern that's just all reverb. Um, and I had to troubleshoot all those problems, making this documentary that really, the people did care that it came out. I picked a pretty good topic, I think. But like in the grand scheme of things, nobody was really kind of paying for it. So it was easy enough for me to just go out and create yeah. whatever I wanted to create, figure out how to do video, and then roll that forward. Um, the big lesson that I learned from that was that when you're doing a project like that, that you actually want to feature the local community, you can reach out to literally anyone. Like you can email the mayor and the mayor will get back to you and be like, yeah, I'll put you in touch with my assistant. We'll schedule a time. We can do a half hour interview. No problem. It's like, I can just email the mayor about this project that is made up and like, and he's down. Okay. Um, so the same kind of one with the Nikon project. I just started reaching out to people and it was like, Hey, can we, we're doing this thing. It's kind of in partnership with Nikon. Um, we'd love to talk to you about whatever. And, uh, people were like totally down to just kind of help out and be a weird part of it. So um, that was kind of the pre-planning was just finding people to talk to. And then other than that, I was just finding cool stuff to do and photographically interesting things. And um, some of the stuff is like pretty, 
I wouldn't say heavily scripted, but you can tell when we've planned sections, like for instance, there's like a beach scene in Iceland and it's like quite clear that we had to bring all of the beach balls and the palm trees and the flamingos and everything with us. Um, so like stuff like that we plan. But I everything have to else, see that. Like I haven't seen happening. that yet, but now you're piquing my curiosity. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a link, to, it's a to link. go with Tim swimming. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I'm going to link in the show notes, uh, the series. So, so anyone like listening can go watch it. And, yeah. and for having seen a, an episode or two, like the episodes are really nice. So get some coffee, get cookies, like sit and look at it on the nice screen. Don't like uh, half-ass it in the bus. <laughs> like, anyway, you can't go in a bus right the now. Shout out. Stay home true, yeah. and watch it. <laughs> Very true. After yeah, an hour then, of it, you'll be like, wow, an hour yeah. elapsed. I'm an hour yeah. closer to freedom. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll just touch on one last thing that we also learned kind of doing those documentary projects. Um, one other huge business thing that like elevated us above everyone else for some weird reason um, was when we shot that documentary and we later went back, um, we did a, a trip to Antarctica and we did a documentary about that. So we did essentially the oh, same nice. thing two times. And uh, what we did was we rented a theater for like $300. And then we were now doing like this premiere of an event of literally a YouTube video that we shot. Um, but because it was 40 minutes and we're like, I don't know, let's rent a theater and let's see who shows up. And now we're like filmmakers and we're regarded as this like, like whole next level thing, even though we literally just shot a YouTube video and now we're just putting it on a big screen. Um, wait, so wait, 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 can, 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 can we just, can, <laughs> okay, first I appreciate the life hack. Second, <laughs> how do you rent a theater for $300? Um, so maybe you might be in a different market. So we're like a half hour or we're an hour west of Toronto. And yeah. here I would say the, the biggest theater you can rent. Also you can do, um, with like independent shops, you can yeah. do kind of profit splits as well. So if you're selling tickets or if you're selling concessions mm -hmm. or whatever, um, And you can do it at like a weird time. So if you'll, if you'll come in, you have a 40 minute film and you can slot in between their two feature films that they're running that night yeah. and one of their, on one of their screens and people are going to come in, they're going to buy beer. Um, they're like totally down to make that as cost effective for you as possible. Um, if you're going for like the, the major, like a Regal or something like that, I don't know how you would kind of do that. I feel like that's more of like a half day rental and they deal with yeah. corporate clients and it's like, it'll get expensive. Um, but just find the independent shops because one, it's cooler to support them anyways. Um, and there's some sort of win-win that you can do. And especially for us, like we were doing a, a local community project. So they were like mm -hmm. down to sponsor it essentially um, to just be like, yeah, so like cool. we want that to come out here. So that's a, good, um, that's a yeah. great idea. Did you rent the theater in Antarctica or was it in your hometown? <laughs> it's um, we, so we did... Do we do four or five? We went across Canada. So we started here and the theater that we rented here, I think we had like 300 people came out for it, which was crazy. Wow. It was like sold out. Um, we're like, yeah, we just made this video. And now <laughs> like, now See, there's 300 people here. This sold is crazy. Like filmmaker who said Hollywood yeah, yeah. is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was like, at that time, I, I don't know, my YouTube videos were probably getting 300 hits um, whenever I uploaded something. And the fact that I could get 300 physical human beings to show up um, crazy. in a space was just absolutely nuts. But again, like making something that's good for the community, you have all these built-in stakeholders, you can get sponsors, you can get that beer sponsor, you can get that vodka sponsor to come in and also promote it through all their channels. And um, it's, it's very interesting the way that like just doing good stuff kind of works out like that. So That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, film or documentaries is something 
Oh, I actually hate saying that line, but it's something that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the things, oh, I'd love to do that one day, but yeah. uh, I, I tend not to say it because it's one of those things that I, I just say and then it never happens. So I yeah, keep my mouth right shut. Time. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of guy be like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. You hear me once. Then I'm going to say it. Hey, I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> Second time is maybe three months later. And then the, the next time is a day after. I'm like, I started the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wait, Check out, uh, do you have guests? My, no, it doesn't matter. My wedding, I'm trying to think. My wedding photography podcast. I went daily for like, I think, 120 days, maybe or 90 days. Wow, nice. it was some milestone. And then after that, I'm like, oh, I'm going weekly. And then that was like two years ago. So, same boat with uh, with making stuff that I don't know seems fun at the time. And then I feel like it's also like a. I know we're not supposed to care about it, but we're kind of like all wired for that like applause mindset. And if you do something. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to commit to doing this podcast. And you're like three weeks in and you're still getting like five or six listeners. You're kind of like, eh, yeah. is it really that yeah. important if I stop? Um, so that's kind of how I like test different projects. And if I do a thing and just nobody responds to it, then maybe it's just not a thing that should exist. Uh, so Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, there, there are two reasons. Like either you have the wrong channels to, or like way of, of, getting something out there and that's what I, I say also to other people it's mm -hmm. like okay if you get 100 views clearly something is if you're putting on a platform that could get millions of views and you're getting 100 it means yeah. it's not that relevant right now for mm -hmm. anyone and the algorithm i think do a good job at just picking stuff that will work whether you yeah. think or not it's the best thing on the world doesn't matter <laughs> it's like no but yeah. i put so much effort yeah but effort does not mean that you know like um, and, and so it's something that I think what you're saying, like testing fast and like seeing if it works and be not, not being too emotional about failure is a, yeah. is a good way. You're like, okay, it doesn't work. That's yeah. it. Next. Well, like, there's so many things it. you can do if something doesn't work or if it's fun, keep doing it. But if it's not fun and stresses yeah. you out, then, then don't worry too hard about. Well, I went daily vlogging for six months that's with, nuts. with barely over a hundred views. Yeah. Okay. So same boat. And then I did, um, in, was it February, I guess I went back to doing dailies cause we shot. So we filmed the entire Nikon show pretty much in January yeah. and I just brought a GoPro and I'm like, I gotta make like a not perfect vlog series. Cause like yeah. I just got so sick of making everything just like amazing. And I'm like, this is going to be great. Going to do some dailies. And then like every day they started out with like, I don't know, like 20,000 views or whatever. And they like every day I did like 3000, 4000 less until it was like, just like, I don't know, like basically the core audience, the people that kind of watch everything. Oh, and that's how you skim you it. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like down to that level of audience. I'm like, okay, so maybe I did something wrong here. Uh, but because I had already edited everything, it was all scheduled. I'm like, I might as well just keep releasing it. So those are the, like my usual content. And it's like, why, why aren't people watching this? I'm like, I like it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the thing. So um, yeah, don't be that's too important. offended when, yeah, that, when stuff doesn't resonate, I guess. Good it's good you have the self-awareness of, of seeing it and not be like, why is it not working? Like people yeah. suck, they're not watching. No, it's probably yeah. us. It's not them. Yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah I, I think I was fortunate at some point that I can now separate myself from the content that I make. So when I put something out, if it doesn't do well, I don't take it personally anymore. I'm just like, yeah, it didn't do well because I named it stupid and I renamed the title five times within the first 20 minutes of uploading and changed the thumbnail twice. Um, that at least I can analytically see what yeah. I've done. Um, and then I feel like I've also, 
I, maybe my channel is a little bit different because I'm just specifically kind of making content most of the time for wedding photographers that I know yeah. it's a smaller audience. So I know that that video, when I upload it, like it's not going to do hundred K and I'm fine with that. And if it reaches those five people that like have never heard about me before, and this helps them in some way, um, I'm happy to make that content. And if you make a thousand videos and you can reach all those five people, then, then you have, I guess, maybe it's not yeah. a huge audience, but it seems like <laughs> a lot of work, but you get what I'm trying to say that if you can make yes. helpful stuff that sticks around for a while, um, Fo focus on the core at the beginning, applause, how, yeah. how do you, would you have any, speaking of wedding photography, would you have any tips for anyone trying to start wedding photography now? Oh, now is the time that you're going to make, you're going to redesign your entire business and then you're not going to hear from everyone or anyone for probably at least two or three months. So mm. um, right now, everything that I'm kind of talking about, and this is just all because of the current, I guess, medical situation with the world, um, is that there, you have all this time right now to do all kinds of great things for your business, but just know that you're essentially going to be creating into a vacuum that you're not going to be get like, if you do, if you launch a new portfolio, you're not going to get five new inquiries tomorrow. Um, where in the past that might've been possible, like in October, launch a new mm -hmm. website, might get exposure, might get like five or six people knocking on your door that day. Um, now everything is just in a holding pattern. Um, if you're listening to this six months from now, um, hopefully it, life is better. And I would say just like to get into the industry is the, the most important thing is to not rely on anyone else to, to force you into it. So if you're, if you're like, as soon as I get that second shooting job, like that's when my career begins. Um, don't think of it that way. Think of it as like, I need to go right now. And I feel like this is kind of the same advice for any career in photography, like go right now and start building your own portfolio. And yeah. if you build that dream portfolio, even if it's just in small pieces and it's maybe not to the level that you want it to be at yet, um, that you're going to start to get hired for that work that kind of goes along the lines of that dream portfolio. And then at some point people are actually going to be paying you to create the things that you would want to create and that you created in the beginning for free. Mm -hmm. Um, so focus on creating good content right now. Um, and all the, basically like any opportunities you have. So if you have some friends that just got married and they still have their wedding dress and suit, like whatever you can do to convince them to, to let you do a shoot with them and just set stuff up, pay people. That's a big thing. I feel like I was, it was like maybe an ego thing that I'm like, Oh, I'll never pay for somebody to be in my portfolio. It goes the other way. I'm creating value for you. And no, like, you need that portfolio in order to book work in the future. So um, if I could go back, I would be like, Hey, can I do this? Here's a hundred bucks. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm down now. Like I was hesitant. Yeah. I was going to reschedule you 25 times. Um, but now that there's money and I get paid, uh, yeah, well, I'll put my wedding dress on. We'll go do a shoot now. Um, so yeah, that, I that's, a good, that. that's a big one. I, I feel that's mm -hmm. a big one. And also from having working with different models and not all the same, like, yeah. like a pro model or someone who gets paid, you have very little work to do as a photographer. Yeah, I feel bad. I'm like, why? Yeah. These are barely my images. Like I'm hitting the button. <laughs> I just clicked it, guys. I just clicked it. I was yeah, we, there. We're that stereotype now. Oh, the camera does everything. It's like, ah, sometimes it does. If like the light is right and you know the direction to shoot in, you got a good lens on and yeah, the person in front of the exactly. camera knows, what are, what are we even doing? <laughs> and if you have the right settings and I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with the models, I feel like, you're able to talk to them and give them an idea or vision and they can walk with it versus yeah. where you, you don't have to like be like, okay, here, 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 like eyebrow to the left, you know, like, <laughs> like chin half smile. It's yeah. more like, okay, give me that kind of emotion 
and those people are able to give that to you. And then you're like, wow, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. Versus, uh, okay, we're going to tweak everything on your face <laughs> until I get it. <laughs> this person doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Just go into a <laughs> studio right? and just, just drop your own person, whatever hair you want, just, just draw them and put them. Green screen. Them <laughs> what do you want to be? Maybe Paris, that's the, Tokyo? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the hack for now, right? Is that you just design everything on your computer and then put them into stuff that you've shot over your... Uh, well, here you go. Why, why don't you just launch a virtual photographer service for people who want to get married in their home with a virtual a priest? Yeah, we could do that. Hol- holographic priest service. I don't yeah. think that that exists yet. I don't know if that's legal here. It might um, be. I feel like who knows? I mean, sign a thing. <laughs> yeah, or, or you can like suggest people if they want to do a virtual couple session in their home while they're on the quarantine. Yeah, but you direct yeah, I mean, them, you pose them, and then you, you 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 use your webcam. <laughs> yeah, send them a green screen in the mail. <laughs> I think you're onto something. I'm excited for for photography in 2020. It's gonna get real Whoa. weird. All right, guys, we're going off sidetrack. Uh, we're <laughs> going down the rabbit hole. We're gonna end up in Rick and Morty very soon. But uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of a. I think those are like really good tips. Um, I want to hammer the one on like focusing on your brand, especially now, now is, is a really good time to work. Maybe if you want to have a consistent brand, I feel mm-hmm. like even myself, when I started, it's so difficult. I find to have consistency in branding. Some people are really good at it, but myself, I'm not, I don't think I was the best back in the days when I was doing the portrait shoots. And I think at that time right now is literally, you can take 200 images that you loved and re-edit them to make sure you have a consistent style and then make sure your your like the rest of your website looks also consistent. Could be yeah. a good time for anyone. Yeah, we all got time. So I, I lived the first, I'm gonna say like five years of my photography career. I was a concert music, skateboard, snowboard photographer, and also trying to be a wedding photographer. And I had that all on the same website. So maybe another tip oh, really? to do everything, like maybe, maybe start separating and specialize in, in the thing that you want to do. Cause I feel like this is gonna be a specifically hard year and if you know that you want to do a thing like focus hard on on doing that thing rather than um that's trying to be like safe and not non-committal to a specific uh niche of photography yeah yeah and and siloing doesn't mean that you can't do both it just means that mm-hmm. the person who wants to see you for a wedding needs to see only weddings and the person that wants yeah. to see you for snowboard just <laughs> snowboard uh, how is your snowboard photography is it is it still going on um, I, I went heli boarding maybe two years ago and I, um, I did some photos then, but other than that, I don't know. It's, um, I live East coast or East coast ish. So there's yeah. really nothing going on here, uh, in regards to like cool mountains. And so we just kind of stopped, but whenever I'm out West, like I love to go out and ride and take some photos, but yeah, it was always my dream to be like on set with like Travis Rice doing those like crazy productions, like yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And um, I'm sure it could happen, but I feel like it was also important for me to focus on kind of building a proper life that was actually attainable and didn't yeah. require me to travel like 12 months out of every single year. And I can, I can still watch their True. films on, on the internet. So it's fine. <laughs> you got to keep on a little aspect for dreaming, right? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, I love all the tips you, you gave here. I think it's, it's really valuable for anyone like, um, because I feel like everyone's like, I want to turn my photography into a business one day, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, 
which is fine. But like, if if you do it right, it's it will make it easier. And don't drop yeah. everything to just do it. Just do it in parallel first. <laughs> like, yeah. especially in those times, if you just decided to go full time and and like a month ago, you're probably <laughs> like, oh, oh, hey boss, would, can you take me back? <laughs> yeah, that would have been that's a stressful. I don't. I I have a Patreon group that. I have a lot of people that have full-time jobs in and I, I hope that that didn't happen to anyone. Cause I know that that's like the thing that like everybody's like, Oh, I'm gearing up to go full-time and in Northern hemisphere, at least we're like going into summer. And I know that it's probably pretty realistic that a few people are probably like, all right, I'm done. And then all this happened sure. and life just got so much more complex. So hopefully not, but I'm sure it happened. Yeah, definitely. So Taylor, we're going to wrap up. I want to kind of ask you, if you can give people creative exercise they can do right there at home now? Ooh, right now? I think self-portraits are the most fun. Um, and also teaching yourself off-camera lighting, um, whether it's video light. Yeah. I'm so, like, I feel like I aspired to be, like, an off-camera flash expert for so long. And then I realized that video lights are just so much easier to use, um, <laughs> that you can just point them at what you yes. want, and then you just take the picture. Um, so... Do something with video lights. I have, uh, where is it? I have like the little, this little Godox little ball. Um, oh, what's that? I think it's called the R1. Oh, um, cool. it's, not, it's not always red. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's just like a little, little diffuse, like it's, it's good light, so right? If, if you can't see it, it's um, a little half Oh, that's true, ball. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it's called good. the Godox R1. It's just like, it, it has a bunch of different settings on it, but essentially what I use it for is just going from an incandescent um, light mode. So it'll go down all the way down to like, let's see what it goes down to like 2,500 Kelvin. Oh, yeah. And then it goes all the way up to uh, just kind of like pure white 8,500 Kelvin. Mm. Um, and it, it really does anything that I need on a wedding day, usually with like ring shots or shoe shots or whatever that I might require a light for. Um, yeah. and it's a heck of a lot faster than trying to set up an off camera flash and figuring it out. So if you want to do some cool yeah. off camera portraits or off camera flash stuff, maybe think about video light home that's that's a good one like start yeah. working on that and you can have, be like creative and have a bunch of colors that's a mm -hmm. great great idea now taylor where should people find you online um i would say either instagram or youtube are probably the easiest places i am at taylor jackson on instagram and taylor jackson photo or just search for taylor jackson on uh on youtube and i will appear there and most <laughs> of the content with the exception magically i just appear um, don't miss his, uh, don't stuff, miss so. his uh, cooking show uh, in the middle of oh. a photography video. It's it's worth yeah. it, guys. Yeah, one one day it'll be uh, it, the slow progression that my channel just becomes a cooking channel for somebody that doesn't know how to cook. But um, yeah, it's been it's been fun to, to learn. That's awesome, <laughs> Taylor. Thank you so much. Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye. Wow, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed that episode. Remember, if you did, tag us in your Instagram stories. Go say hi to Taylor. Share some cool quotes. And with that being said, have an amazing day. Remember that this idea of permanence is a little bit wrong. Nothing ever lasts forever. Everything's changing constantly. So we might be staying a little bit inside today, but tomorrow will be out. And in five years, it will have felt like two weeks. See you. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, would you like to receive once a week a free short email with my top five inspirations, photos with settings, gear I've loved, and what I've been watching, reading, or listening to that really inspired my work and my life lately? If you want it, just go to pierrtlambert.com forward slash top five and you will be in. Every week you will receive that short email to set you off on a good vibe for the weekend and inspire you. Now with that being said, have an amazing day. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.